what about ism? And you can't say that you can't say that Democrats wanting to give you free health care is a reason for you to fucking punch somebody. You know what I mean? You can't say that Democrats being radical is a reason for you to be destructive, you know? No, uh, but I would also I would also come back with Democrats calling Republicans the enemy continuously mm-hmm. is going to get you punched. Yeah. Because because if I uh, you know because if if I'm your enemy then what decorum is there that I'm supposed to follow? None. It's easier exactly. to hate give up on somebody than think about them, you know. What, I mean? everyone. what starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit I kind of like it. What starts here changes, changes the, world. the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. Every politician who is taking donations from the NRA... I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believed them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, eight billion people. And if you're gonna figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change, change their, their lives, lives forever. forever. Well, it didn't happen, and here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and fighting our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless us. And may God bless us. What's up? Nothing. How you doing? Oh, definitely been a wild week, that's for sure. It definitely has, hasn't it? You know, it's weird. Is this episode is coming out December first? Yeah, I never thought I would make it to December. I never thought I'd make it past November third. So I'm really excited and happy to be alive right at this point. You know? Yeah, no, and you know, and it's it's so strange just watching the the case count climb, <laughs> the election bullshit, like. I just, you know, uh, someone said that we need to put a moratorium on the word unprecedented for a while. Right? Because that's where we're at. <laughs> Everything changes, you know what I mean? The world is getting bigger, so the problems are going to appear bigger too, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, what do you, you know, have on your mind? What do you want to talk about today? Ooh, so there's a couple of things. I think one transitions very well into the other. Nice. So I want to start with this idea of what does a peaceful transition of power look like? Mm, okay. 
So, um, to use Mitch McConnell's own words against him, there's been a peaceful transition of power in every presidential election since 1798. What is a peaceful transition of power? Wait, are you saying this isn't a peaceful transition? Um, that is yet to be determined. If you, I mean, if you remove all the rhetoric and all the news media and all the coverage, what the two men are doing, I mean, one is pouting a little, right? And he's right. an asshole, but we always knew he was an asshole. And the other guy's steady Eddie, and we always knew he was steady Eddie. So basically, the only, the only complications are the media and the divisions that the media are saying are there. Exactly. So when you, when you look at what does a peaceful transition of power mean, it has nothing to do with the general populace or the media. A peaceful transition of power is really just one administration giving way to the, to the next, to the, you know, and there's going to be a lot of rhetoric and there's going to be a lot of, you know, Twitter screaming, but the reality is, is, is that once, once all of the court challenges have been exhausted, you know, if if everything holds up, and I and I say that just because 2020 has been a weird year. <laughs> if everything holds up, you know, on January 20th at noon, when Biden is sworn in as the president-elect, you know, Trump doesn't have any powers left whatsoever. Uh-uh. And so if his administration decided that they were just not going to leave office, what well, they become persona non grata and they actually get removed. <laughs> physically. Yeah, I mean, the world moves forward. It, it bulldozes everything. It tramples everything. You've seen wildfires. Nothing stops a wildfire. Nothing stops democracy. And that's, and that's the reality. And, and, you know, there's been some screaming on social media about, you know, why should Biden get a peaceful transition of power when, you know, Trump didn't get a peaceful transition of power? And, and I flat out said, did, did Obama's team, you know, help transition from Obama to Trump? Yeah. That's a peaceful transition of power. It has nothing to do with the general populace. Yeah. No, exactly. And people are, you know, people can scream and cry and pout all they want. I don't give a shit which side it is. The whole concept of a peaceful transition of power, like like a lot of the things that most people don't understand, it has nothing to do with the general populace. It's about what is being done within the government. So, like, for example, the whole freedom of speech issue. Right. Everybody feels like they can't, you know, well, I don't have, you, you don't have a right to censor me and this, that, and the other. And it's like, no, the government doesn't have a right to censor you. Like I've told people, it's like, if you, if you really think that the First Amendment applies everywhere, walk into a local, a local grocery store and just start screaming fuck and watch what happens. Sure. Like, you're, allowed, you're allowed to have freedom of speech, but you're also allowed to face the consequences of it, you know? Exactly. And you don't, you don't get to do that. <laughs> and, and you can call that censorship. Mm-hmm. All, and, and, and that's true. It's just that the government can't be the one telling you, you can't scream fuck. <laughs> and, you know, it's like if you go to Iraq, right, or Saudi Arabia, and you start mm-hmm. screaming, I love Allah, I love Allah, people are going to join you. But if you do that in America, there's 4,000 million different 
fractions of religion and they're all going to be like wait no <laughs> you know so there you have the the it's it's norms it's 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 norms it's what people will accept yep so you know in in this i have every confidence in you know our democracy and our system of government that you know what most of us know and believe to be the rightful outcome of the elections will move forward and on January 20th at noon, the next chapter of America starts. Yeah. They were and saying 80% of people believe in the election results, 13% think it's still out in the open, 7% don't know, and 3% actually believe that it was rigged. So I think we're doing pretty good as a country there. Yeah, and as and as a few people as a few people said on social media, like one country's like, yeah, we you know we know our election results two hours after the election starts, and then one person from Russia goes, yeah, we know the results of the election before it ever happens. Right, and some of those countries really only like if you if you go to England, you you're only voting for two people. You know what I mean? You're not voting this list of people. So I, I appreciate our way of doing it. I like the individual options. I don't want to be lumped in and have somebody else electing somebody else, electing somebody else. That doesn't work for me. Right. And, and this experiment in democracy, because I mean, it really is just an experiment and it's one of the longest running experiments in democracy. It, it really, only works if everybody participates and that includes you know the current administration right. and the next administration and the administration after that you know biden could be you know biden could be a one term president and you know whoever runs next loses loses the democratic and it goes back to republican it's going to be a peaceful transition of power yep and that is one of those things that you know, when you look at some of these elections that take place around the world, peaceful transition to power is definitely not how you would describe the change from, you know, one regime to the next. If you even have a transfer, right? You have Maduro and you have Putin and you have Xi and you have Kim. None of those guys are moving. Erdogan, these are guys, these are dictators that stay for life. Lukashenko, I mean, mm -hmm. the the reality is is, is that... Um, our, our little experiment in democracy will piss you off at times, but I'll be damned if it isn't one of the more rigorous and more robust versions that's out there. I agree. I wish we could get back to the discussions of policies though, instead of the flamboyance of politics. I think they're very different. I, and, and, you know, it's, I, I partially blame that on the whole social media era you know mm -hmm. where we're all trying to win eyeballs you know to get people to listen to us and you know ardently follow us and yeah i watched i watched pbs's election coverage and it was just boring as all hell but it was like oh yeah that's what the, this is supposed to be like this isn't supposed to be like you know someone trying to grab my attention it's supposed to right. just be what's happening that's right that's right so I, I, I do wish that there would be a return to normal or order. And I feel like players like uh, Pelosi and McConnell and Lindsey Graham are just the absolute worst in that. 
Yeah, we're going like, to call them the status quo. Yeah, exactly. The, the which is really strange simply because like that status quo once upon a time mm-hmm. were the ones that preached you know what they called regular order, you know, talking across the aisle actually working together. Yeah. And now suddenly it's this weird infighting and bullshit. And you know, we the general public have our blame in that too. Like Can one I of my friends Ted Cruz on that list too. Oh, absolutely. And Jerry Nadler? Yes, Nadler especially. Okay. Thank you. I I yeah, they are they are definitely on that list. And I truly do hope that at some point we have people that actually look at all of this together and say, mm. you know what, this isn't normal. This isn't right. That's right. But it's going to rely on people, you know, stretching one end of the political political spectrum to the other saying you know what this isn't cool this isn't okay it's time to knock this crap off yeah and you know people are saying that like aoc should be the next speaker and adam was asking me last week about aoc he's like she runs her mouth and i was like you fucking run your mouth you know what i mean that's what she's getting paid to do but i I, he's like well i don't know who who to pay attention to and i was like you gotta pay attention to like katie porter You know, I really think Katie Porter is the new model of what I want to see in a representative. She carries around a whiteboard in her pocket. She holds people to account. She has her questions formulated. I really think, and she's even keel about it. You know what I mean? She's not condescending, but she's, she's what I want in a representative. And I would really like somebody like that to take charge of the, the, the House of Representatives. That's the one place that it's like the public spilled into a government forum. You know what I mean? And that's us. And so mm-hmm. I really think that is the voice that we need to fine tune because that's who's speaking for us. I agree with you fully on that. You know, the Senate is the Senate is the group that, you know, the states that's the state's voice. Right. The the House of Reps is the people's voice. And Really, you know, that's, I think, we, it, I, I still do believe that we've got to get back to the whole concept of being able to talk across the aisle. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, if we're ever going to get anything done, we have to. Yes. And there's been a bunch of, there's been a bunch of posts and politics about, you know, people across the aisle being the enemy. And I'm like, cool, keep that up. Watch what happens. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you're going to keep calling the side you don't agree with the enemy, then this isn't going to work. This experiment in democracy will fail mm-hmm. and your way of life as you know, it will also fail. If you think that somehow this is going to magically reform in some sort of smooth and steady process that isn't going to impact you, mm-hmm. you're delusional. And to take it back to a phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. If, if I think the Trump supporter is my enemy, well, then aren't I really just doing the work of the politician for him? Like, isn't the Trump supporter my friend because he is the enemy of politics, just like I am, just like I should be. I should be questioning it every day, you know what I mean? And so I think people need to get back to the fact that America we're divided Americans and politicians, the, the, the electorate and the elected. 
we're not the electorate is a whole i don't care if you're black or you're muslim or if you're a if you're a short person the truth is is we're all on the same side and what i'm fighting for should benefit jeffrey's life as well and and you don't want to root for the other side to you know crash and burn because you're the passenger in that car <laughs> right <laughs> That's like that's like you know that's like yelling that you hope the driver of a car gets a DUI and oh yeah by the way you're the one in the back seat. Right. Um, no, that's a terrible decision. We're that's, in that's it together. Not, and and really, what needs to happen is instead of instead of all of this focus on all of this focus on how we're different, we need to find out what goals we have mm-hmm. that we share the same goal, but we differ on methodology yes. you know it's that last five percent that gets highly politicized you know you look at you look at what some states have done like for example utah where they took their um they they went and did a study on their homeless population and what they came to the conclusion was is that it was cheaper to house the homeless population than it was to keep arresting them and keep running them through the justice system I agree. But there also now, needs to be a long-term plan as well. You know, like mm-hmm. when it comes to homelessness, I mean, if 21,000 people are homeless in the state of Washington, 5,000 of them are chronically homeless. You really need to figure out why the, the 16,000 are homeless, clear them out, and then you have the problem. There's a fire, and then there's sparks to fire. And I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, this is something I think about pretty hard. What is the spigot? There's a hose spitting out homeless people. How do mm-hmm. I turn the water off and then clean up the puddle? Because I don't know what it, it's, it's economic, it's, it's barriers, it's all these things. And, but I've, I've spent about a year just thinking about why homeless people, a family, of, a family is homeless you know, and why they can't get back up on their feet. I understand why some people like the freedom of being homeless. They can't be caged in. They might have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mental disorders or something, drug addictions, and I'm okay with that. You know, they, they can run through the system if they want. I don't need to spend billions of dollars trying to figure out why 5,000 people are homeless. But I do want to know why those 16 people, why those 5,000 kids under 24 are homeless in Washington State because – I don't want them trafficked and I don't want them abused and I don't want them dying without becoming, you know, the next Einstein or the next James Baldwin. And, and, you know, that is something that we're going to have to, you know, come together as a group to figure out Mm -hmm. each, you know, the way that Utah did it, they pitched it rather than as a, as a social program, as a taxpayer savings. And it's like, okay, so you understand money. Okay, cool. That's yeah. one way to look at it. Yeah. You know, because that's the, you know, from a logistical standpoint, from a cash standpoint, yes, it is absolutely a savings. And if you can get those people to be productive members of society, you actually have a net benefit. Mm-hmm. So, I the the area that I struggle with is is that you know when you see humanity as savings or investments only that's that's my problem. Me too. Um, you know, and because also I don't want to pay forever to house a problem when we could solve the problem. Exactly, and you know whatever that what whatever that 
issue is that is creating the you know this this homeless boom in a way like we saw in Olympia for a, a long while. Mm-hmm. It's going to you know it's going to take people actually sitting down and and discussing and solving the problem together. You know, everybody wants to say, oh, just throw them in jail. That'll get them to sort their stuff out. Yeah, because, you know, having a criminal record makes you so much easier to hire. Yeah, yeah. You know. There needs to be a way to scrub a criminal record. If you can get a misdeed to create it, you should be able to do good deeds to eliminate it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do agree. You but know, I also every... think it's easier to come up with a solution for the 5,000 people, you know, than it is to try and tackle 21,000 people. Like in Washington State, there's a voucher program. But mm-hmm. for the veterans that are homeless, a veteran can go and get a voucher and go move in somewhere. But the landlords aren't taking the vouchers. You know, Adam sees a guy, a veteran, he's shitting on the street and Adam's mad at the the homeless guy you should be mad at the landlord you know you shouldn't be mad at the guy that served his country you should be mad at the system that's just ignoring him and and i would say that the system at least in in the case of the homeless vet the system that was willing to send him off to war Mm -hmm. also needs to be the system that is willing to take care of them and their homelessness and their 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 mental health issues that have come from serving. Exactly. And, and unfortunately, you know, I think that there's been some recognition that that needs to happen. And I, I know that there are systems that are at work changing that, but you know, part of, part of that giant defense budget has to be, you know, how you take care of those people who have come back from the horrors of war yeah, I mean, and making the population stronger should be part of the defense budget. Mm-hmm. I infrastructure should be part of the defense budget to me because, yeah. you know, when you look at you know when you look at the interstate system, it was initially built as a way to move troops from one end of the country to the other as fast mm-hmm. as you could. Yeah. it's why you know one mile out of every five has to be straight so that way you can land aircraft on it. That's interesting. I watched, uh, we did a podcast on the Alaskan highway being built and why it needed to be built because Russia was coming and we needed to get there first. And so we used so much black labor and so many black people died in the making of that, that highway. But the accomplishment, the speed and the perfection of how they did it was just pretty amazing. And I suggest everybody learns more about that. It's a, you know, it's a pretty wild one. Yeah, I love that stuff. And so you wanted to talk, I'm, I was almost going to go jump onto a military tangent, but you wanted to talk about the peaceful transfer. We should get back. Well, but, but the, so the peaceful transition really kind of goes into, you know, all these other, all these other things that we were kind of running into is, is that without a peaceful transition of power, none of that is possible. Hmm. I'm curious to know what your military tangent is because I do love a good military tangent. Well, we're talking about Medicare for all, right? Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my friend yesterday about the ridiculousness. He was looking at his mom's medical bill and he was like, this doctor saw her twice, but billed her nine times. One of the times was $5,000. What did he do? And I tried to explain to him, 
that it's a pyramid scheme that one person sells equipment and makes money off of every piece of equipment, but then that person that bought it rents it. So anyway, there's, there's a lot of overhead in medicine and the medical mm-hmm. field. And that's why, that's why Medicare, Medicare for all works is because if you consolidate it into the one system, you're eliminating the overhead, you're eliminating the executive payrolls, you're doing all that. And so that makes sense. And there's plenty of money for it, believe it or not. But what I don't understand about that scenario is not adding the VA to it. Because the VA has a $36 billion a year budget, and veterans get crappy health care. So why aren't we rolling veterans into the Medicare for All system with that money? We could just give them a Medicare Part V you know what I mean? And I think that would, and I, oh, nobody talks about that. And I think that you would be somebody that would be able to speak on it maybe, you know? So here's where I would say why the idea of rolling it into Medicare for all would and wouldn't work. Why it would work. You know, there, the idea that healthcare is healthcare, regardless of who is being treated and who is rendering treatment. Mm-hmm. But I will say that your average doctor probably isn't going to have the same level of understanding of someone who's come home from a battlefield mm. as a VA doctor right. who probably, who may or may not have served, but at least is working in the system. And, and you see a similar type of patient day in, day out. That would be, that would be what, how I would look at it. Okay. Is, is that, is, is that, you know, th- those, those who work in the VA, you know, are probably used to seeing a similar patient set soldiers who served or, or have gone to war and come back, you know, so you're kind of used to that whole realm. It's kind of why we have, you know, sports medicine, for example, you know, it's, it's not that, you know, no doctor could treat you. It's just that for Hmm. that specific field, you know, you're used to seeing those type of, those types of injuries day in, day out, and you know how to treat them. It's like any other specialty. And in just, which case... That's it, just adding a credential to the doctor, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm a veteran. Oh, we do have a VAMD, you know what I mean? Or a, we yeah, do and... ATVA, or, you know, or a right. ATMD. Right. So, so I could make the argument one way or the other, to be perfectly yeah. honest. I mean, but for your generals, like cough and you know cough and cold general illness general mm. surgery stuff yeah it doesn't matter if you're seen at a va or at a regular hospital right you know you're you're going to have the same level of care and treatment maybe in some cases better yeah. i mean i know how the va worked out for my family it's 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 about a it's about a 50 percent chance that you know it, it ends well or it doesn't <laughs> quite literally in my family yeah and i've known va nurses and uh, yeah, I kind of know the quality of care that's going on there, and it, it I just it's not to deny veterans. It's just a it seems like we're we're saying they're segregated, you know, medically they're segregated, like they're not as good as us, and they're forced to take care that maybe they don't want. You know what I mean? Like maybe they would like a professional that isn't in the VA. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the qualifications for a doctor in the VA. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, I, I really don't either. Um, 
I would say it really just boils down to, you know, what patients you're used, you get used to seeing working in a specific setting. Probably. And I'd like to know from more veterans, like how their healthcare is. I'd also like to hear from Canadians about how their healthcare is, by the way. You know what I mean? I think, I think we've got to get past the idea that, you know, the American system is the best Mm. simply because, you know, there's a lot of really good systems out there and some of them work better than others. Uh, Some work differently than others. Mm. So the question becomes, you know, where, you know, I think Americans need to figure out where they would get the most bang for their buck. And the answer right now is, is that though, though a lot of people love the affordable care act, it has definitely not been the bang for the buck. No, no, no. Like, I was trying to explain that my buddy builds Jeeps and he Mm -hmm. took it out for a test drive. You know what I mean? And if I was standing there in the driveway and I heard it rumbling by and misfire and I would have been like, fuck it, throw it away. That's the Republican. (laughs) Fuck it, throw it away. And he's like, no, 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 no. I can fix it. I got the part in there. No, fuck it, throw it away. You know what I mean? That's the healthcare plan. Like if Joe Biden gets in there and fixes it, makes it improves it makes it the 10.0 you know what i mean right right then maybe let's see his plan for that before we just throw everything away because we got something here we got uh we got a Mm -hmm. seed we got a seedling we got a sprout let's and then if Mm -hmm. we can't fix it if there's a debate and we can't fix it then we throw it away and we start with something new because obviously nobody wants to try like DACA knows. Nobody wants to stand on maybe, you know, nobody no. wants to build on ick. You know? No. And, and, and I would also say too that, you know, the, when it comes to fixing, you know, the affordable care act, just taking parts out doesn't fix the problem. No. Kind of like the same way that you, you know, if you have a problem with your car and you just are like, well, I'm just going to take that part out. Uh, no. Usually that's not the answer. Right. You usually either have to put a, a brand new part in mm-hmm. or you remanufacture a part and put yes. that back in. <clears throat> but there comes a point where in everything where we outgrow the system that we're trying to use. Like we've talked about with the declaration of independence and the constitution that was made for 10,000 people. I'll go 10,000 people in 13 colonies. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. it wasn't made for (laughs) millions of people. I'm sorry, millions of people. It just wasn't made for that. And, and you know, I would, I would say that the constitution and the bill of rights was a fantastic framework for us to build off of, Mm -hmm. you know, I think of it as the main structure of the house. Yeah. You know, it's, it's where you're going to spend your time. It's, it's where you're going to become the most familiar, but it's not going to be everything. And sometimes you're going to have to fix some things, you know, and that we have had to address through amendments. And some of those amendments have been great. Some of them have failed miserably looking at you prohibition. Yeah. Looking at you ERA. I mean, why is that not passed? (laughs) The history of women's suffrage and them and the ERA just, it fascinates me because for every it's for every group of women that wants equal rights, there seems to be like a smaller and angrier and more determined group that says, no, you don't want that. So that's just funny to me. 
or or the group of people like this i don't understand why we want a woman to be in power and and it's a woman that's saying that and i'm going <laughs> what yep huh like oh. and why wouldn't people that want gun rights want a more legible amendment than a militia can have guns to protect America. That's what the National Guard is. So, I mean, it's not like it's not like that suits the individual. Shouldn't we hammer out like a gun amendment and just get this straight? <laughs> you know, really, it, you know, and, and I think that that's the, the lack of foresight from the forefathers was is that, you know, the idea that we were going to constantly have a standing army or, or a mm -hmm. national guard for each state was just not something that was well thought through at that right. point. You yeah, know, but they called that a posse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, whereas if they had just said, you know, the American people have the right to keep and bear arms. Pfft, okay. Done. End of story. So let's write that down. Let's write that down. You know, so yeah. it's it's one part. You know, we have we have this document that you know really just puts the studs up for the walls. Mm -hmm. And over time, we've 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 added walls, we've redecorated walls. Some of them we've ended up having to knock down a few yeah. years later. Yeah, yeah, that's the fun part about it. You know, I think. In terms of amendments, we've we've had some pretty good ones. Um, like for example, you know, presidential term limits. I think I think the Washington standard is the way to go. Mm -hmm. You know, granted the people had spoken and they liked FDR a lot. Yeah. You know, to me the Washington standard is the way to go. You get two terms and that's it. That's it. You know. I, you know, there had been questions about whether or not that would be rewritten for Donald Trump because, you know, the Democrats had a president that was elected for it. Okay, just because they had it doesn't mean that you should also have it. We put an amendment in place so that way nobody else would have that. That's right. <clears throat> like, I don't care. Like, I don't want one person being in power for that long. No, I mean, look at, like, a iPhone. Look at how crappy they've become with just one person in charge. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's boring. It's static and you need to change things up. Now, like I just, what we need to do is get rid of the otherism. I hate, I'm, this is my new thing. The what about ism? Yeah, because I'm seeing these things like, oh, Joe Biden isn't a pedophile, but look at Donald, because look at Donald Trump's pictures of him with his daughter. And I'm like, neither one of them are pedophiles. We need to get past that word pedophile. It's disgusting. And what I was saying was, if you're going around calling people pedophiles that aren't pedophiles, I don't know where the pedophiles are. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean so it's clear shut that, up yeah. about it so I can see where the pedophiles are. Because I think when a pedophile is announced, we should all point our guns and shoot that way. You know what I mean? That would be that would be the ideal, and and, and I think that that's what's happened is is that we've gotten to the we've gotten to that point that now we just are you know it's the boy who cried wolf mm -hmm. except now it's the 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 voter that cried pedophile and right or cried anything it's just people are crying anything and they they want to see what sticks to the wall I think that's what QAnon is is just some guy in the Philippines that's where that's where I, the last thing I heard uh, some. I don't know what it was, 
documentary or show and it was just some guy in the philippines spitting shit out he's never even touched the homeland you know that wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me one bit i i kind of pegged russia as the source of the information i mean just because the inner workings of russia are pretty well known i figured that it was probably a russian intelligence op Mm mm-hmm you know, so I believe that it, it could. Be. It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if if it was you know the Philippines yeah. or Iran or China or Russia mm-hmm. or you know pick a place that doesn't like us. <laughs> and you know what's funny? I know Donald Trump gets advice from Vladimir Putin. I know they've talked several times, and there's no records of the calls. And if you pay attention to when Donald Trump talks to Vladimir Putin and the actions he takes right after that, like the Lafayette Square, like the helicopter over protesters, all of that stuff was right after a phone call. What I'm guessing is Vladimir Putin is saying, just don't go along with the election. That's what we do. And I don't think Vladimir Putin really, really has the understanding of democracy. I think he's studied it and he's learned it, but I don't think he understands where the evolution would go because he doesn't live in it, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so I think right now Donald Trump is doing a Vladimir Putin play and it's not going to work in America because Donald Trump was a has-been on November 4th. Like we didn't mm-hmm. give a fuck what he said after the, after the, and I believe the election, you know what I mean? I believe in the results mm-hmm. of the election. I believed mm-hmm. in it in 2016, although I hated it. And I mm-hmm. never saw hordes of Democrats with guns, um, threatening the lives of republicans you know what i mean and so maybe that needs to change <laughs> this is ridiculous you know what i mean it's just ridiculous the the what about ism and you can't say that you can't say that democrats wanting to give you free health care is a reason for you to fucking punch somebody you know what i mean you can't say that democrats being radical is a reason for you to be destructive you know no, uh, but I would also I would also come back with Democrats calling Republicans the enemy continuously mm-hmm. is going to get you punched. Yeah, because because if I uh, you know because if if I'm your enemy, then what decorum is there that I'm supposed to follow? None. It's easier exactly. to hate give up on somebody than think about them. You know what I mean? Exactly, and and so I just flat out say fuck around and find out, you know, if you're going to keep calling one side of the country, the enemy, guess what? This doesn't it, get any better. And and then it, it delegitimizes the threat of Russia and North Korea because well, they're our enemy and you're my enemy. Why wouldn't I side with them to fight you? And mm-hmm. so I guess that makes sense. Joining with Russia to fight the Democrats to finally accomplish something seemed to work in a short term. I don't know. It's that's exactly it. This is that the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and if Democrats hate Russia and Russia's willing to extend a hand, mm-hmm. guess what? It's like inviting inviting that level of interference into our elections mm-hmm. uh, that which is why i've had to tell people it's like russia ain't your friend no russia is a bunch of old commies acting like old commies yeah you're letting a vampire in the house he might yeah. seem sweet and friendly but he isn't and yeah and so what i wanted to to, to explain was 
there's this racism, right? But I'm, I'm, I was born in 71. And so actually I didn't get to see a lot of it. Like mm -hmm. the, you know, the voters rights and everything equal rights that was all settled by the time I was born. Right. And mm -hmm. ever since then, and I don't want this to go the wrong way because white people have the levers of power. Right. But mm -hmm. not, not us, not the poor white people. We're just victims too. And so I feel like white people my age watching everybody equalize up to our level made us feel like we were in the back of the line. And you know I'm not a Trump supporter, but I'm saying the word we. And I think after 40, 50 years of watching other people equalize to our levels, we felt left out. And then I think Donald Trump came and said, you know what? Al Sharp, the black people have Al Sharpton, you know, the, the Muslims have Ilhan Omar. Why can't white people have Donald Trump? And I think white people were like, we're finally being heard. Somebody's listening to us and they're, they're, he's amplifying our voice, but he isn't. He's not, he's not the representative that I want for my race or my age or my gender. And so that's the problem. If I can find somebody more like you or me to speak and say, we're the group of white people, we're the group of white men that feel left out, we're still going to think about our rights, but we want to join with everybody and work with everybody instead of isolating and say, we're the, we're the white male constituency and we don't want to have anything to do with you. We can't isolate that way. We need to work with everybody. If we're going to be a group, the Trump supporter seems to be that group of left out Americans that thought they had a voice. They didn't have a voice. They had an asshole. <laughs> quite, yeah, I mean, quite literally. And I, I really wish that people would realize that it's, it's, you know, not about race or gender or anything like mm -hmm. that. The fact of the matter is, is that for a while now, the politician has cared about themselves yes. and they, and they play the constituent like a fiddle. And it just so happens that Donald Trump played one constituent like, well, yeah. basically like a fart machine, essentially. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, everybody laughed, everybody, you know, everybody who voted for him laughed and went along with it. And now that that fart machine actually just turned out a turd, we're, you know, we're supposed to be surprised that people were not happy with getting shit on when I look at the way that politicians have run this country so far, you know, in, in, in my adult life, I've watched things get steadily worse. I have, you know, it, I used to joke about how I wished, you know, the house of reps or the Senate or whoever, they just wore a, a NASCAR jacket and that, that it listed all of their sponsors on it. I'm not stupid. Just, just wear the jacket so that way I can decide whether or not I want to, you know, whether or not I want to have, you know, NASCAR jacket A or NASCAR jacket B be my, my voice. Right. And what has, what has been boiled down is, is that, you know, which is why, you know, in talking with Adam, 
you know, when Adam was struggling with who am I going to vote for? It's like, mm. dude, you're in that population of, I can understand why you wouldn't want to vote Republican or Democrat. Yeah. You're watching one person who actively hates your people, put them in cages and you're told that, you know, you need to vote with them and their conservative values. And on the other hand, you watch the Democrats constantly court people of color. And the moment that it's that they come to cash that check and say, all right, let's work on, let's work on what it is that you promised. And they go, Ooh, sorry, you're going to have to take a number at the back of the line. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't, I don't blame people of color for, you know, reluctantly voting Democrat and then, you know, not voting Democrat later when they just get absolutely shit on. I'm going to blame them. I'll blame them. You're, you're going to blame people of color? Yeah, keep up the effort. Don't give up. Don't get complacent when a Democrat gets in power. Don't think it's going to get done. Fight for it. Keep fighting for it. Fight for it in your House of Representatives. Fight for color in the Senate. Fight for it in your democracy. Otherwise, you're not going to get it. I'm sorry. I mean, this is and this is where I think that this is where I think that when it comes to the political powers that are, we need to have the new political powers that will be, mm -hmm. you know, parties that are going to be built off of finding, you know, of, of, of people actually fighting for the rights that, uh, of the constituents, not just sure. like, Ooh, thanks. You, you helped me get the votes. Now I got to do what my donor says. Well, we sat there for four years, the women's March. You know what I mean? We had all these marches, we had all these sit-ins and they prevented the, the elimination of rights. And mm -hmm. imagine if we did the exact same thing with somebody that was more likely to listen. That's mm -hmm. what I'm saying. So, don't stop protesting. Don't stop fighting nope. for your rights because right now you have an amicable, amicable participant that's willing to maybe listen if we make noise. And the other thing is, is we need to stand with Black Lives Matters because they do. We need to stand up for women's rights. We need to stand up for the Parkland kids. We need to, as Americans, we need to say it's important to you it's important to me because it'll benefit me if it benefits you. We as Americans mm -hmm. need to come together and we need to keep fighting like it's Trump in power, even if it's Biden, because it's Mitch McConnell, <laughs> because it's Jerry Nadler, because it's right. Pelosi. Right. And so this is, you know, this is where I'd say it moves into the, the next piece that I wanted to talk about, which was, you know, what does, what does accountability day one look like? That's a good so we've one. Kind of, because we've talked about it a little bit, and I think that, you know, now that we have a little bit clearer picture of, of what the presidency is going to be starting on January 20th, like you said, don't stop marching, don't mm -hmm. stop protesting, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Because come January 20th, accountability day starts. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we have been told, X number of things are going to happen. Now it's time for the American public to actually measure those things. And that's yeah. not, and that's not just Republic. That's not just Democrats that need to be holding their, their mm -hmm. candidate accountable. It's Republicans, it's libertarians, it's progressives, it's everybody. Mm -hmm. Because we need to make sure that the politicians are actually doing the things that they said they were going to do. Mm -hmm. And consistently we keep getting ourselves to the point of, 
you know, it's year three of the elections are next year. Well, what have we gotten accomplished? Ooh, yeah. Doesn't look like a lot. Well, I guess now I need to, at the end of year one, you should have a pretty good idea of, of where things stand. If they've mm-hmm. been, if they've been passed, if they've been executive ordered, if they've been voted on, if they've been even brought up, yep. you know, and yep. I would say that for the Republicans, you know, the idea that, you know, Mexico was going to pay for the wall. It's like, you know, you should have been holding the president accountable for that. Was Mexico going to pay for the wall? Did a wall even get built? Five miles of it did out of 2000. And honestly, he was speaking in tariff terms. He was speaking in taxes. He was speaking in, uh, he wasn't going to say they were going to write us a check for the wall. And I think it's funny that Mexico closed the border to us when COVID got really bad, by the way. Like oh, it's it go, hilarious. It, it goes both ways. But I don't think Donald Trump meant they were going to write us a check in pesos. I think he thought he was going to tariff them into submission. And and guess what didn't happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so so you actually have to hold, you know, your politician accountable regardless of party. Ooh, because I'm sorry. Really quickly, the money that came from that came from our military budget, with which eliminated proper housing, proper schools, proper medications, proper educations for our military families. So every time you think that Donald Trump is pro-military, you can just look at the fact that he took $10 billion from North Carolina and their military, you know, their their. Their stations, the people that are stationed and learning how to be military in North Carolina, they, they took that money mm-hmm. for a wall. Yep. So guess what? It's like, you know, all of, you know, the, the sum of those pieces, when you look at, you know, where that money came from, how that section of the wall got built, mm-hmm. it's like really only a couple of things happened. Number one, the American people paid more in taxes. Mm-hmm despite, you know, that group of people not wanting to pay more in taxes. And then the money that was used to build the wall was actually military money that, like you said, you know, affected military families. Yep. In a major so, way. so, you know, did the job get done? No. That's did the, the job have a net benefit? No. <laughs> no. What I'm trying to think is, we should be arm in arm with the Trump supporter because they're getting milked. They're getting bilked right now. And so they, they have to stop seeing us yelling at them and start maybe paying attention to what it's, what we're saying. Look on the Trump website that what he's doing right now is fundraising, right? For mm-hmm. his, for his legal campaign. But if you go and look at the fine print on the page, 60% of the money goes to after election activities. Mm-hmm. You know, and 20% of it goes to the uh, repayment of old debts. And then mm-hmm. the other 20% goes to the legal fights, which, by the way, are being pushed through Lost. by Rudy Giuliani and a guy that isn't even a lawyer. The guy that isn't even a lawyer is ahead of this. So it's not going And they keep getting tossed left and right. <laughs> but the, my, 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 the important thing people need to know is as a Trump supporter, you're being bilked. If you're giving him $10, $2 is going for a legal fund to pay who? Rudy Giuliani is free. You know what I mean? And so you're paying for his after lifestyle. Do you want to do that? Of course know. they do. Of course. Because one day that could be them. Yeah. 
And they're going to be doing it for the next four years because he's going to be constantly running for president for 2024. Mm, probably. Probably. Going to try Going to try and pull a Grover Cleveland. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes up to me and says, you know, Nancy Pelosi sucks because she's ineffective at her job and she's doing nothing but virtue sing- signaling, I would mm-hmm. listen to that and I would start paying attention to that. And I, I believe that with Jerry Nadler. I believe that with Chuck oh, yeah. Schumer. I believe yep. that with, with um, a lot of these guys, you know, Elliot Engel. I believe that they're sitting on their laurels and not doing anything and just trying to make the other party look bad. What I'm telling you as, as a whatever I am is that the Republicans are doing that to their base as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and until people start to realize that, which is why, you know, I've had plenty of conversations with family members. It's like, just need to fire the whole lot of them yes. <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. Because, because it is just, you know, they've gotten used to their lifestyle mm-hmm. and they've gotten used to getting their way and doing their thing, regardless of who votes for them or why they vote for them. You know, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, uh, what's the current one? Oh, Nancy Pelosi on on not wanting to denounce socialism because she's playing she's playing a fiddle right now, you know. Until Biden gets into office, and if you think for one moment that she's going to embrace socialism with open arms, that's hilarious. No. That's funny. That'll never happen. No, it won't happen. But, but she wouldn't even embrace democratic socialism. I mean, look well, at how she you. has acted towards, look at how she's acted towards AOC and the rest of the squad. Yeah. If you think for one single solitary second that Nancy Pelosi is going to go any further left than she has, that's funny and wrong. It is funny and wrong because saying you don't like socialism is like saying you don't like ice cream based on flavor. There's so many versions of socialism, and in fact, in America, we could create our very own version of it, and we have little forms of it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think I wanted to say about the healthcare, just to get back there really fast, I think it's funny that we're capitalistic society with a free market insurance plan, you know what I mean? Oh, God, our, our, I mean, if there's ever any question about whether our insurance system is a scam or not, hmm. it's a scam. Yeah, it's, it's a scam. scam, but everything is, and so... I, you know, there, at least there are some, and, well, I mean, and, and, and that in and of itself makes it even more of a scam in yeah. my mind. The scam is making you believe that it is more important politically than it is governmentally. You know, mm-hmm. the governing is not politics. Politics is running for office. Governing is doing the right thing for your constituents. You know what I mean? And the president has 360 million constituents. Uh, your house of representatives might have 20,000 you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. it's not as it's the policies are what are important not the rhetoric who gives a fuck if Nancy Pelosi's hair looks funny who gives a fuck if Barack Obama's in a tan suit if he just passed legislation that makes my life easier I don't give a fuck if he's butt naked in a tea leaf you know what I mean exactly but you know it's the idea that anybody's gonna be you know, making it easier is a really tough sell in a lot of cases. You know, I just, I saw that Florida approved the $15 an hour minimum wage. Yep. And that it's going to be phased in over like what, six years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's going to be, you know, and, and the support that was there behind it was really interesting because it passed with a 60% vote, 
which meant that there were a lot of Republicans that voted for it. Yeah, they believe cost of everything will go up. Like your milk. Some guys said, well, milk is going to be $800 now. And I felt like saying, I'll bet you that $800 in four years, that milk is not $800. Yep. But those are the arguments we're having. Mm-hmm. Bettering people's lives. Be, ah, whatever. You're raising the cost, yes, but they haven't had a raise in 50 years. Exactly. So what you're telling me is, is that it's okay for every other cost input you have to get a raise. Right. But the person who has to buy those things doesn't? Right. And you're going to threaten us with higher prices. You know what I mean? The cost of bread went up like 300% over the last 10 years, you know, and the cost of living went up, but a person's income did not. So, I mean, how much can you, how come, how much can you spend, Jeffrey? You know, like how many times can you get taxed on, on one item? Like how many times can you get screwed? And we just keep voting for it. We keep voting for people that say we're going to do it, you know? And that's, and that's, and that's really what it boils down to in, in this whole accountability issue is, is that we keep voting on ways to screw ourselves. Like <laughs> I was talking to, oh, I was talking to my mom about this, about, you know, this idea that it's like, okay, so someone gets disability insurance, you know, social security disability, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's money that was paid for through taxes, right? Yep. So then what you're doing is you're giving someone that payment for social security, right? And do you have to pay taxes on that? Yes. What sense does that make? It doesn't. And in fact, I haven't filed taxes in five years because they shouldn't be taxing that. That doesn't make any sense. Why am I paying for Medicare? You know what? I pay $45 a month for Medicare on disability. It doesn't make sense to me. And yes, why are you taxing money? Like, I mean, what I earn is like sixteen seventy a month. What I get is fourteen fifty. You know what? 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 So quite, quite literally, it's like you could literally just make the payment fourteen fifty. Yes, and but instead, even, what you've done is created you know all of this additional work that has to be done. Yeah, that doesn't make a damn bit of sense. And you know what's weird? I make $30 over the poverty line, so I'm not entitled to any aid from states or federal because I'm $30. They, they said, spend more money. I was like, no, <laughs> you know, I can't afford to spend $30 on you on more health care so that I can get free health care. This doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? The system is really fucked up, but we keep patchworking this stuff. It's like a body full of band-aids. At some point, we just got to... Go in there and fix it, and we need the people that have the intelligence and brave bravery to do it. It was like uh, out here in Washington, they wanted to put another, you know, bag tax on, you know, for groceries. And I'm sitting here going, who does that make sense on? Right. Well, we're going to tax the wealthy. Okay, so then who does that bag tax apply to? Everyone. And so who is false in everyone? Poor people. <laughs> It's like we keep we keep finding ways to try and be fair mm-hmm. that are so not we're fair. Gonna put a, we're gonna put a tax on soda because we want you to drink less soda. Fuck you. Hmm? 
that's bullshit to me. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm paying a higher tax on that soda than I'm paying a sales tax for it. Then I'm paying the overhead of the store's stuff. And then I have to pay for a bag now. And then I have to get home and pay to refrigerate this stuff. And so the price of just one thing is, isn't just the price of one thing. It's everything accumulated in that thing. And you would know that if you order from DoorDash, you know, mm-hmm. your, your $7 burrito is $25 when it arrives at your door cold and mushy. Mm-hmm. And it's, and that's like, you know, to me is like the, the hilarity of government work is, is that it, you know, you order hot food and it shows up cold and mushy and usually stuck to the roof of the, the takeout case that it was uh, right. brought in. You know, and they're like, well, you should be glad because it's, you know, the government's been doing X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, I paid for that. And Mm -hmm. I didn't pay for it to show up looking like this. You've just decided that that's how it's going to show up. Yeah. Stop making us feel guilty for needing our tax dollars for us. Well, I mean... These are all revelations to me. Like these are like tangents I've never even thought about. Which is which is why you know I struggle with the idea of more government involvement because so far, <laughs> so far the government has done a very good job at delivering absolute garbage. Yes, but now is that because we we need to wrap up? Is that the people or is that the system? Yes. Great. It is. It is a product of both. It is a product, it's a product of people not holding the system accountable and measuring that accountability, yeah. number one. Because, you know, think about, you know, even in my industry, year after year, we have auditors come in and make sure that we're doing things correctly, right. that we're doing things properly. Not just that every, you know, not just that every penny is accounted for, but that every process that we have is actually working the way that it's supposed to. So when we say we're going to deliver X, Y, Z, we deliver X, Y, Z. It doesn't show up as X, Y, B. Right. So, but when you look at the government, the government doesn't have quite that level of involvement. Sure. We have the government accountability office, but let's be realistic. They're only accountable to whoever put them in charge. That's right. Once again, you know, we've investigated ourselves and we found that we have done nothing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds but it's nonpartisan. Okay, well, who put the person in charge of it? The president. Mm-hmm. Okay, then it's bullshit. <laughs> yep. I don't care. Like, unless it is the people electing that particular office and saying, you know, this, you know, here are here are a list of nonpartisan candidates that are not picked out by any presidential candidate. It's just individuals. I don't have faith. I don't have any faith that the government accountability office is necessarily being accountable to anybody other than the president yeah agreed so put bernie sanders in charge of that shit (laughs) you know i put yeah i mean to me there's that would be one way or you know or finds you know there's there's plenty of people out there that you know when it when it comes to looking at government accountability I would almost argue that you don't want a career politician to be the head of that. You want somebody Mm, who you would want somebody who I would say is either been a lawyer or someone who has been some type of uh, chief operating officer or something like that. I want a guy that survived prison for 20 years. (sighs) Tell you what, that'll, that'll definitely 
you know, you'll definitely see some things there. He'll find but, everything. Trust me, he'll find everything. You know, no, I mean? he'll 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 know a snitch. He'll yeah. find a snitch. You tell him but, he gets five percent. He'll fucking find everything. <laughs> I also personally like Warren Buffett's idea of you know when it comes to you know our our debt ratio. If you know if our GDP drops below you know three percent of our spending, mm-hmm. you know then. Then what ends up happening is you just, you know, congressmen don't get paid that, you know, they have to sit down and they have to actually fix the problem to, you know, to figure out what they're doing wrong and make it work because this, you know, the way that things are currently being done isn't sustainable. It just isn't. It's a patchwork. And, and, and until you actually have independent accountability and you have some, some sort of rules or regulations in place that, you know, if you're spending more than you're bringing in, that you end up having to, you know, sit down and actually fix the problem. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like when that day of reckoning comes, there's going to be a lot of Americans hurting. Yeah. When the bill comes due, definitely. And, and unfortunately, the only way that we're ever going to get ahead of that is that we have to have public accountability and we have to have it in a nonpartisan way. Yeah. And, and it has to be a recommendation that, you know, we cannot keep sustaining what we're doing. Well, I think as an individual every year I do a spring cleaning and look at my, what I'm spending on. And if I'm spending money on Pandora and Spotify and YouTube music and Google play or Apple, you know, then you got to eliminate some of that because it adds up and I don't Mm -hmm. have the budget for that. And neither does the government. We're spending wildly on stuff like, uh, like, uh, I don't know how to say it, like, uh, Amazon addict, you know what I mean? But we're right. We don't have the budget for that. Look, look, I can't be your sugar daddy anymore, America. You know what I mean? Like, we can't do it. We keep, can't keep buying Maseratis for you every year and houses for you and doing it for sex. We can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> no, no, we can't. And, 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 it, you know, it's, it's a lot like funding a mega church, you know, mm-hmm. at some point people are going to realize, what do you mean you need a third private jet? Yeah. Yeah. I don't need somebody watching somebody watching somebody watching somebody. I need somebody I can trust in the top. Mm-hmm. And then pay attention to them. Put them on live cam. You know, why don't what politicians should have body cams? <laughs> man, oh man, would that be fun? I'll just tell you right now, my party, the right to party, I'm a progressive. Um, I'm a pro- progressive Republican, and I'm going to try and pull the Republican Party back to the left. And I believe in abortion, and I believe in body cams and NASCAR jackets. I will tell you, and not only will I tell you who I'm getting kickbacks from, I will give all of my constituents a dividend check for it. Mm, there you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, the investment that returns. <laughs> for sure alright well thank you Jeffrey is there anything you wanted to say before we wrap up I know we're running late nah nah I think I got her for, t- for this week alright have a great day at work I'll talk to you next week later or maybe on Adam tomorrow you never know <laughs> you never know alright thank you bye bye
And you have been listening to Public Access America's live stream on Facebook, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. You can find Public Access America's podcast, of course, on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Radio Public, Google Play, Player FM, TuneIn Radio, Podcast Addict, all of these. You can find uh, some great videos on YouTube. You can find some great content on Instagram at Public Access America. You can find a stream of positivity on Twitter at Public Access Pod. You can always find us here on Facebook. And don't forget, you can find me, Public Access Guy, on TikTok and Snapchat. This has been Public Access America. I will talk to you next week. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek and security. We support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. Nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, they will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome to Public Access America. Yes, we can. Now on Instagram and SoundCloud. We wanted to run out of that tunnel. On Twitter, Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Podable, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.